Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudharman, and I'm joined, as always, by a man who somehow went unsold at the IPL auction, Darren Burns. <laughs> Hi, Arun. How are you doing? It's a long time between drinks. Um, I think we've been away for a few weeks, but there's so much going on in cricket. I mean, test cricket, ODIs, IPL auctions, uh, you name it, it's all happening, as Bill Laurie would say. Yeah, we, we went on hiatus. Um, I was on the road, and then you lost your voice. I did, yes. And uh, I'll refrain from, from making the obvious joke. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> but um, let's start with the IPL auction, because I feel like that was probably the biggest thing that, that, uh, that occurred, certainly in cricketing terms. Um, and some interesting, well, so actually, it was a very fascinating auction this year, I thought. Uh, Obviously, the, the, the values, the player values continue to rise. Um, so should we, should we start with the players who were sold? I think, I think we should. I, mean, I think it's worth pointing out, though, that, you know, peop- there was six times as many people watching the auction broadcast this year compared to last year. So you know, as we talked about in the last episode, it's really become a spectacle in itself, the, um, the auction. And I think we, we need to get to it later about the fairness of the auction. There oh, has yes. been a bit of sour grapes from the New Zealand cricket board, as you'd expect. Well, um, well, let's let's just start there because <laughs> let, let's let's go through this. So okay. we have this IPL auction, and um, let's see what it says here. Uh, humiliating IPL auction criticised by the New Zealand Cricket Players Association. So it's not the board; it's the the, the players organisation. Yeah, right. It's the Players Association. Heath Mills told the New Zealand Herald, I think the whole system is archaic and deeply humiliating for the players who are paraded like cattle for all the world to see. Now, I imagine coming from New Zealand, Heath Mills knows a thing or two about cattle auction. And humiliation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let, we should probably take his... Uh, his word. Take his, his comments somewhat seriously. We should, he said, okay. He, he then said... The IPL auction is such an undignified, cruel, and unnecessary employment practice, ridiculous that it exists today, belongs in the medieval ages. Again, I would suggest probably knows a thing or two about the medieval ages. Um, <laughs> oh, you're harsh. <laughs> living, I'm actually going to New Zealand in May. I love New Zealand. Yeah, I, I, we will do a, a podcast from there. Great. No, I love it as well. Um, now, so when I first read the story, and I, and I sent it to you, um, and my initial reaction, as I imagine yours was, was, you know, I was kind of somewhat disdainful of, of Mr. Mills and his comments. And I kind of thought, you know, this, this does sound like sour grapes. Um, but then I looked into it a little bit and actually he's, he's not alone. I mean, there, there, are, there are people who do feel and there are players who do feel that the, the auction is a little bit demeaning and it doesn't have to be done this way. Yeah. So I think. I think, you know, in most sports, they have a draft system, right? Where I think when the IPL, it's, it's almost like an open cattle auction, as, as Mr. Mills points out. And I think that, that, is, that is true. A lot of players don't know where they, which franchise they're going to. Um, you know, obviously, there's a strategy in the background where people have conversations with certain players. But then, really, with the right to match cards and, and other areas, no one's really sure where they're going. Um, and I think it is a bit humiliating, you know, especially for New Zealand, where, you know, two of their key players... Uh, Martin Guptal, or Guppy as he's known, went unsold. Yep. Um, of course, a great T20 player. 
Yeah. And of course, Kane Williamson was passed in, I believe, as well. Um, the New Zealand captain, as was... Really? Was uh, Williamson unsold? I, didn't I think he was unsold. Um, and I think Owen Morgan was unsold too, right? Correct? Yeah, so you can see, I mean, when, it's, when you're a captain of a national team or the number one T20 player in your country, if you're, not, if, you're not, if you're sort of passed in, you can see it's a bit humiliating for those players, so right? Williamson was sold, actually. He was? Yeah. Oh, yeah, my he bad. Went to, he went to Sunrise's Hyderabad. Oh, he must have been sold on day two then, was he? Yeah, for 468. That's a pretty good bank. Thousand, yeah. All right, my but bad. No, you're right. You're right about the others. No, and the interesting thing is that the response from the IPL. I would have thought I was kind of reading the story, and I was thinking, okay, then the IPL is going to come out and just and ask, well, who is the New Zealand Cricket Association? Right. But actually, the IPL's chief operating officer uh, is is aware of the skepticism and said, going forward, the thinking is that we will reduce, maybe not have mega auctions, but consider having a draft system for new players to come in, which, which acts as a feeder system to teams. The IPL governing council is thinking on the lines of how to cut down on the big auction and have the continuity with teams. And, you know, one of the problems the IPL has is the players move around too much, and I think it does, it does affect the identity of teams. Um, one of the really interesting things in this year's auction is that um, Ravi Chandran Ashwin, you know, one of the highest, one of the highest um, bid players uh, ended up going to get, leaving his hometown team. And, yes. Um, and I think he ended up with the Kolkata team. And, you know, obviously, it's, I'm not saying he has to play for Madras or, or Chennai Super Kings, but you kind of want these local teams to have some connection to, with to the, players. the city. Correct. With, with, the, with the fans, right? And, yeah, and I think you're right. If you right. don't have any local players, then it really does become yes. quite mercenary in some respects. So that's one of the issues. And then, of course, there is the players being unsold. I mean, I don't know. I feel like they're all adults and they can handle it. Yeah, I think so too. I, I mean, I think, I think, I think you've, you've hit on the main point there. If you look at the Big Bash or even in other countries, I mean, you do have to have some sense of franchise for the city, I think. And if all the players are basically just mercenaries, I'm not sure that really builds you know, any sort of real lasting brand in that city. Um, if every year the teams are different. Um, so I, I think they probably will look at reform. And I, I think there's, I, I've been reading a lot about it. And I think there are a lot of discussions about not only the draft situation or the auction, but, but how they do this in the city. So I think, you know, the, it's still at a very, it's, you know, let's not forget the IPL is a very pioneering, um, a very pioneering organization for T20. And yeah. I think they're still evolving how, how, how that, will, that will play out in the future, but it's uh, super exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's good to know they're thinking about it. I mean, um, if if they take a leaf from American sports, it's not difficult to imagine um, a situation where, you know, the teams have a salary cap as they have now. Uh, they can sign players on multi-year contracts, perhaps, and they have a draft maybe for, you know, players that, that, whose contracts have expired or new players coming in. And, you know, it's, it's not difficult to, to figure this stuff out Yeah, uh, in a way that, you know, where we don't have the auction every year. Although, I must confess, I, I do enjoy uh, the auction. I actually think the fact that you do see these, these big-name players uh, being unsold is somewhat interesting. I mean, it, it's, sure. it, is, it is a little... It's jarring. I mean, this guy... We might as well talk through some of these unsold players, actually, while we're on the topic. So, yeah. you mentioned Guppy. Um, Hashim Amla uh, scored, yeah, Hashim scored two IPL centuries last year, uh, surplus to requirements in 2018. 
Uh, your buddy Sean Marsh. Yeah, Sean Marsh didn't uh, go either. The, uh, the lesser Marsh, or is he the greater Marsh? I'm never entirely sure. Um, I think I think also you know Zampa Adam Zampa didn't get picked up either. Um, Lasset Malinga and Ishan Sharma. And this other guy who's a well Ishan Sharma. That's kind of sad. I feel he's he's much maligned and he bowled very yeah. well recently. This guy who I I don't know too much about, but he's is a T Twenty specialist, McLennigan. Yeah. Um, who, who you might know more about, who's got a re- re- tremendous 2020 record. Yeah, he's a Kiwi uh, too. Oh, maybe this is why. This is where it all comes from. I think he... th- there seems to be a, a, a real, like even still, even though you know Australia, I think, are ranked the seventh or eighth team in the world for T20, there is definitely proliferation of Australians still in this team, in these teams, in the auctions, I think. Um, it seems they have a bias against New Zealand and maybe even England, I think. Uh, yeah, in so favor in, of the Australian okay. players. Yeah, so I think English players, one of the big concerns is availability. Yeah, that's just true. A lot of them have to leave halfway through, right? The tournament. Right, so they do, and, and you're not really sure what's going to happen. So Joe Root, for example, um, he, he went unsold as well. Uh, <laughs> quite harshly, he doesn't even get into the 11 <laughs> of, of the, best, like, the best unsold 11, which that's I think right. is a bit harsh. Sean Marsh is in there ahead of him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But I think the other thing here, so these teams, they do a lot of analytics, right, on which players are going to deliver. But this isn't about analytics, because the other thing they also bear in mind, I feel, is which players are box office. Yes. And as harsh as it sounds... That's true, though. And we're going to get some stick for this, but I would suggest that maybe the New Zealand players don't get the fans as excited as, you know, some of the... the Indian players who maybe are less well-known on a global stage. Mm. Uh, obviously, the Australians, I think, tend to be much better known to Indian audiences. That's true. Um, so things like that, you know, a player like Ishant Sharma, I think, you know, that's, that's kind of, of, of why he's probably not selected. Yeah, but I think there is a combination of the money ball factor. People do do a lot of analytics as well for the team balance, I think. But you're mm. right, there is also definitely a box office element yeah. to it as well. I mean... If you look at some of the, the Australian players like Glenn Maxwell or, I mean, these players, they definitely want to have them in the team for the excitement value that they bring. And they are well known to the audiences. But should we go on to the, um, the gainers? There are quite a, some big gainers this yeah, year. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, so we know number one. So let's, let's exclude players that were either um, retained yeah. or were, you, were kept with the right to match card. Right. So if you, if you exclude those players, because that, that, that kind of takes care of the Coley's and Donies and Steve Smith's and everyone, then the top, the top uh, auction bid, as you would expect, um, went to Ben Stokes. Right. Um, and of course, we don't know if he's actually gonna, going to play. That's right, we don't. Um, number two was a really big surprise, I thought. Jaidev Unadkat, uh, an Indian... Uh, medium fast bowler uh, doesn't really crack the you know he's not in any of the international teams uh, he's in the squad and he, he's done very well in the IPL but he he is you know he's the second highest uh, ranked player at the auction once you once you exclude retained players well he he took the most wickets last year in the IPL so I think that's not that surprising and he's a left arm you know he again back to that variety thing he's a good left arm bowler uh, fast bowler. So you, now you have to have the wrist spinner, the left arm or the right armor. You have to have a lot of mixed up bowling at the moment. Otherwise, you just get smashed everywhere. Yeah. And also bear in mind, 
Indian players get a premium, right? Because they do. you have to have a certain number of Indians in the team. That's right. Um, and then you kind of look down the list, and it's players you'd, you'd expect. The Indians um, towards the top, uh, players like Rahul and, and Pandey. Next up, interestingly, Chris Lynn. Yeah. So tell me why Chris Lynn attracted more money than Mitchell Stark. Have you ever watched Chris Lynn bat? You know, I haven't. You've got to watch him bat. There is a lot of criticism going around now that he's maybe a flat track bully. If the ball's swinging a bit or spinning, I think he's susceptible. He'd be perfect for the IPL. But I've seen him <laughs> score a couple of hundreds of the Gabba in, in Brisbane, and he, he's actually electrifying. He hits the ball a long way. He, he ho- doesn't hold back. He just smashes from the world go. And gee, he gets the, he, they reckon at the Gabba he gets an extra 15,000 people at the game if he's batting, if he's playing in the team. So when he's there, typically you get a high crowd, so you get close to sort of 40,000 people there for, for the big bash. Uh, yeah. He's super exciting to watch. And back to your point, it's box office. If he bats well, man, the fans will come out in droves to watch that. Yeah, so he's done well. I mean, uh, then, then can, a lot of names you'd expect. Mitchell Stark, um, yeah. Glenn I Maxwell. Andrew Tai has, has, has also done very well. I think mm-hmm. he's, he's redeemed himself as a bowler. I think yeah. last year and the year before he got bashed around a bit, but he's come back with a whole new box of tricks, which is really exciting. I think Jofra Archer, as I mentioned, I think a couple of episodes ago, he's an exciting prospect. He's gone for over a million bucks. Um, he's really exciting, super quick, great, in the, amazing in the field and a, a, and a sort of emerging all round in the bat. I did see a guy, though, who went for more than a million called Kay Gautham. I, had, I have no idea who that is. Honestly, I don't know who he is very well. I just, I, <laughs> like you, I just saw the headline. Like T. Curran? That, uh, <laughs> like T. Curran, Kay Gauthaman. Um, yeah, I must confess, I don't know a, a huge amount about him. Maybe he's like uh, a Manchurian but... candidate. Maybe. <laughs> um, he is a... an off-spinning all-rounder. He's spinning all-rounder. And, um, okay. Yeah, an off-spinning all-rounder. And, you know, he brings, I guess, a lot of variety, like you've mentioned. Yeah. Um, I, I thought what was also interesting was that a 17-year-old um, leg spinner from Nepal was also picked up by, which is, which is game-changing for him, right? What's his? Sandeep Lamichani. He's, Lamichani, um, yes. He's the sole representative from an associate nation. Yeah. Um, Afghanistan, of course, is not an associate nation anymore. That's right. Um, and yeah, he's done brilliantly. Let's talk about some of the surprises. Um, so the three, I mean, they're not necessarily that surprising, but three players from India's all-conquering under-19 World Cup side yes. were picked up at the auction during the World Cup, which I thought was quite hilarious. So you have Rahul Dravid trying to get them to focus on, on the match. Uh, and these guys are, are becoming, you know, at the very least, rupee millionaires, multi-millionaires yeah. um, overnight. So uh, Prithvi Shaw, who, who, you know, there's no surprise there. He's the captain. He's already yep. scored five first-class centuries. Um, Shubman Gill, who, who went for a lot, and he was the, I think, the player of the tournament, if I'm not mistaken, and he went for 281,000. Yeah, he was. And the, um, the fast bowler. Kamlesh Nagarkoti went for 500,000. So he went for a lot of money. And he consistently um, pushed the needle at the World Cup at 150 kph. Look, I watched that under 19 World Cup final. Mm. Uh, and it looked like the Indian players were playing a, a kind of second 11 Australian team. They were so much better than them in the field with the ball, with the bat. They totally dominated them. And I think the Australians played to their ability. It wasn't yeah. like they weren't trying, but I think the Indian team was just so much better 
Yeah. Um, you know, 100% better, I'd say. It looked like they were playing in different leagues, to be honest. I mean, I think what you're seeing now is India should, when you think about it, India should kind of, you know, be dominating to an extent because they have so much money sloshing around the game. Yeah. And a lot of it is being applied now to youth development. That's right. Um, and you have... I think the money's being applied in the right way. It is. Well, to, to a large extent it is. I wouldn't say completely. Uh, because there's still still various issues, um, but also you know that the money means you can get Rahul Dravid to coach the under nineteen, uh, and that probably makes a big difference too. I think it's also you know the IPL has has also you know reading a lot about this is improved the facilities all around the country. And it's not just the facility, yes. the stadium itself, the hardware. It's the training areas, the practice areas. It brings in a lot more people. Again, you can afford proper coaches, as you said. And those are not just the Raul Dravids, but the grassroots coaches as well mm-hmm. at the clubs. Um, and it brings everything in. So I, I think they raise a lot more money now through sponsorships, both through the IPL, right? The national cricket team. There's a lot more money, but it's about how you direct those funds and resources, as we all know. And I think it's great to see it happening. It's great to see that improvement there. Uh, and the under-19 win was super impressive. That's absolutely right. The infrastructure, which was always a big problem with Indian yeah. cricket, it was always the biggest problem. The training facilities, the grounds, it's, it's, you just cannot compare it to even, I think, 20 years ago. It's, it's a huge in- improvement. And you're seeing it, I think, with, with the quality of the young players yeah. coming through. But having said all that, I do think this is a rich crop. Um, India have not actually won the Under-19 World Cup. I think this is their third the third win, and it's their first for a few years. Yes. Um, but this is a rich crop. You know, you have those three players who got to the IPL. You've got a couple of others who I think are also likely to um, make the grade. So you can easily see a situation where half of this team um, is around and, and, you know, makes the step up to not just first-class cricket, because I think they've already done that, but, but even international cricket. And you'd, you'd expect that. I mean, there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of the top players in world cricket today actually came through from under-19. You know, with Steve Smith and Virat Kohli, the two obvious examples. Hashim Amla as well was a kind of under-19 legend. He certainly was. I think Mitchell Stark also. So it's nice to see that, because you don't always in other sports. You know, I, 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 you can compare with football, for example, a lot of the... the these prodigies kind of fall off. Fall away into the ether. They do, yeah. I guess this kind of segues nicely into the next segment of the show. We're going to talk about what you've always wanted to talk about was the Tri-Series T20 between <laughs> England, Australia, and New-, and New Zealand. No. Let's talk about South Africa and India. Um, let's. But let, before we do that, I just want to make one last point in the IPL. Uh, actually, and this, this, this fits in very nicely with South Africa and India. Yuzavendra Chahal. Yes. 60 times increase from his previous auction. Yeah. Um, so his last one was in 2014. It's kind of amazing. It is amazing. And uh, yeah, he made 60 times as much money. That's uh, why, which, you, know, which... you know, the rise of leg spin, as we talked about before, where, you know, Ashwin has got a bowl leg spin now, apparently. Um, yeah. Of course, yeah, Kuldeep Yadav. I'm kind of surprised that Adam Zampa went unsold. I mean, he's pretty handy bowler, and I think he did okay. It kind of surprises me a little bit. Anyway, yeah, that, poor old that is. So, I mean, look, some of these are mistakes. You know, I would, yeah. I would argue Ambler's a mistake. I'd argue um, Zampa's a mistake. I'd even argue McLennigan's a mistake, really. Mm. You know, I think you cannot have too many nondescript Kiwis in your team. <laughs> you know? 
know, they, they're great. They're for, bargains. Uh, and apparently, I think Mitch, Mitchell Santner is surprisingly now number one T20 bowler in the world, which is amazing. And he went for a couple of bob only. I was going to quiz you on that one. Yeah. Because he came on to bowl the other night against Australia and it said, Mitchell Santner, number one T20 bowler in the world. I was I like, wow, okay. Yeah, and he, and he, he overtook his teammate. He so. did. Ish Sodi. So anyway, back to the back to India, South Africa. Yes, let's go. So Yuzvendra Chahal, leg spinner, uh, with his leg spinning uh, compatriot Kuldeep Yadav, who's a left arm leg spinner, which is really rare. Well, they call them Chinamen, which I've always found as a bit of a. Well, that's a, that's kind of especially where you are. It's not. It's non PC, really. Yeah, it is. It, it's it is a bit weird, but um, it's a very rare kind of bowling. It is. Right? But the interesting thing here, I think, is the rise of leg spin in limited overs cricket. Yeah. Um, now, the thinking beforehand was that you need off spin in limited overs cricket because there's more control. Um, but what we're seeing now with these T20 batting um, techniques and these big bats and small grounds is that off spinners just get deposited every time. You know, they, they, they just step, you just step down the ground and, and that's it. I think the other night, if you, if you, if you noticed, I don't know if you saw the score between, uh, there was a warm-up game between the England eleven and an Australian Prime Minister's T20 game in Canberra, I think, and Nathan Lyon was captaining that T20 team against the England eleven, and I think David Willey smashed Lyon for 34 off one over. Mm. Straight to your point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I would argue Lyon is the best off-spinner in limited overs cricket. He's one of the right. few that, that has kind of more or less handled it yeah but he doesn't even make the national team right no he doesn't and that there's a reason for that meanwhile leg spinners have have emerged as as a much honest honestly a much safer alternative because whilst they may go for a few runs they can take wickets well i mean i think if you look at rashid khan i mean mystery bowlers Mm, and let's be honest if you've never faced them before if you bring somebody on who's bowling Flippers, leggies, and wrongons, it can be often difficult to pick those, and especially against lesser batsmen who are not, you know, great international batsmen. Um, they get bamboozled, right? And they often top edge or they, they can't pick the delivery. So I think it's, it's great variety in your, in your team. Yeah, and you look at the, the leg spinners now around the world. So obviously, we, we talked about the two Indians, and you mentioned Zampa. Rashid Khan. Um, are there any others from Australia that are, that are making waves? You know, there are, Zampa. No, I, I think there's a couple of guys kind of floating around the fringes. Um, you know, there's a guy from Queensland called Mitchell Swepson, but I, I think they need a bit more, a bit more work. There's our, there's our friend from, um, from England. <laughs> didn't really take didn't off. Really. Mason Crane, of <laughs> Mason course. Mason Crane, didn't he didn't take, take off. off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, but, but, you know, it's, it kind of demonstrates, I think, that there is a, a little bit of a, a renaissance in legs, in leg spin bowling, thanks to ironically, thanks to the very thing that people thought would make it extinct, which is uh, limited overs cricket. And for exactly. a long time, for a long time, it did make leg spin an endangered species. Um, because in limited overs cricket, the thinking was, it's just too risky to play a leg spinner. They flight the ball and that yeah. gives the batsman too much time to step down and, and loft That's it. That's right. Um, and I think the other misnomer was, you know, about T20 being a game of, for young people, which is ridiculous, right? It's actually a game for older people because you, you don't have to last for five days in the field. You only have to bowl four overs or, or bat for like a, you know, an hour. So I think it's also you see a lot of players in their, in their late to mid-30s doing quite well now as well. Well, I mean, you see that in the IPL. Look at Chris Gale, for example, who almost went unsold 
Um, and then I think it was one of the very last bids um, finally got picked up. Yeah, Shane Watson. Another one. Shane Watson, yeah. He's still floating one, around. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but coming back to this, this leg spin thing, the other, the other point I wanted to make on that is I, I, just, I was watching the, the one-day game with, where you had these two leg spinners, Yadav and Chahal, bowling in tandem, which is rare enough as it is, right? You rarely, I don't think I've ever seen two leg spinners bowling um, in tandem in a, in a match. Uh, probably the last time I saw that was, was on the very rare occasions when Australia would pick Warren and McGill. And McGill. Mm. Yeah, it did happen. Right. Yeah, but, but so I think rare. they played like sixteen tests together only. Right, they probably should have played a lot more. McGill always out bowled Warren, didn't he? When they when they played together, he had a better strike rate. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Warren did not. Warren did not enjoy that. And, and apparently, Warren yeah. didn't want to have him in the team. Of course not. If he was playing. That was that was the sort of rumor that went around. Yeah, and and also Stuart McGill was you know he always cut a sort of different cloth. Um, he, he did seem kind of quite educated, refined, cultured. Um, all, all attributes that might mark you out as a sort of different a wine future. wanker. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, is, you're yeah. right. He is. Um, so, but coming back to leg spin, two leg spin bowlers, and it occurred to me first of all, leg spin bowling is just such fun to watch. It really is. Amazing. It really is. And I don't think there is anything like leg spin bowling in any other sport. It's a very unique um, type of skill. It brings an element of trickery. And I don't think there's any kind of analog to it in any other sport, if you think about it. That kind of, it's almost like a kind of magic. I think it is too. And that's why it's so, I mean, that why, that's why, you know, to take your metaphor even further, that's why I think Shane Warne was so spellbinding because he would literally change games, right? When he came on to bowl, people were always unsure what he would do. Um, and he could turn a match on its head by, as you said, you know, spinning the ball both ways. There was always a bit of mystery about what he was going to bowl, and he created all these myths around this mystery ball or a new delivery that he had, or and it would freak batsmen out, right? Yeah, always making up deliveries. That's right. Uh, but that's what I love about it. Yeah. That, you know, and you don't see that in other sports. You just don't have that kind of element of trickery. You don't see a footballer with a, with a mystery kick, right? No, you I would you say, know. you know, we talked about this before the show. I, I think if you mm. look at some of the fast bowling now, too, if you look at Dwayne Bravo, or especially Andrew Ty, the amount of deliveries he bowls in a T20, I think he bowls, you know, he always bowls four, his four overs. And I think every single delivery is a different ball. He has a kind of knuckleball inswinger, a knuckleball outswinger, a, an overspin leg spinner. I think it's really the innovation and creativity around T20 cricket now is quite amazing. And I think nothing is better than watching these leg spinners take apart and uh, bats, take batsmen down in a T20 game. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and long may it continue. And I think it's one of the things um, that makes cricket unique. It really is. And we should mention, when we're talking about leg spinners, we should mention um, Ish Sodhi, who is <laughs> we... a very, very good leg spinner. Was he picked up? Uh, now that I know who he is. Um, Ish Sodhi was not picked was not up. picked up. See, that's surprising, no. right? It is surprising, because I think he had a... I think he had a pretty low base price as well. Yeah, um, it's disappointing. It is. It's really weird because Chahal and Rashid Khan got huge bids, and you would probably say Sodhi is is the next after those after those two. Uh, and um, can I make a suggestion? I, I think the New Zealand New Zealand Players Association should do more, perhaps more PR in India uh, mm. and maybe PR their players a bit more. How about that for an idea, rather than crying over spilt milk? 
rather than criticizing, <laughs> you think they should, they should take a positive That's attack, right. mutual benefit. They should do that. All right. <laughs> should we move on to this India-South Africa series? Yeah. So, we'll, we'll, so we've talked about the, the one-day series, which India's dominating. So they're up 3-0. Those two leg spinners have taken 21 out of the 30 wickets. It, the South Africans just don't, just don't know how to play them. Um, they're, they're having a lot of fun, these leg spinners. Virat Kohli is <laughs> scoring runs for fun. Yes. Um, I mean, it's just a joke. It seems like they, you know, India puts a score on the board, South Africa chases, loses. It's basically becoming a formula. Um, yeah, and Kohli, we know when, when he loves to chase, so there's no issue yeah. with that. I mean, Virat Kohli's had, had a great series. I mean, it, it really, it's weird because even though India lost the Test series, it really does feel like this is Kohli's tour. He's just dominated. He's really emerged as the best batsman on either team. I think he really, he really has. I mean, he, he, he's the ultimate all-round batsman right now. You know, Test T20 one-day cricket. I think you know, Steve Smith, as we've said before, is Test match, but recent one-day form or white ball cricket is not so great. I mean, he's just amazing. The other night, what did he score? 160 not out? Yeah, it was, a, it was the longest he batted in a one-day match. Crazy. Um, yeah, it, and I mean, that third Test, which, which we, we haven't discussed... Very interesting match. Uh, you know, the Wanderers tra- tra- was, was, was transformed into a minefield for the it match. Was. Uh, the, the apparently on, you know, if, you know, if you ask for designer pitches often enough, you will get this kind of a result. I mean, we've seen it time and time again, particularly in India. It almost gives the advantage to the, to the um, away side, doesn't it? Um, well, it doesn't guarantee the home side has the advantage. It That's does. Problem, and I, right? I think we, if you looked at... This pitch in um, Joburg at the Wanderers, and similar to the pitch in Pune when you know Australia mm-hmm. toured last Absolutely. year as well. And I think if you saw in that test in Pune, Steve Smith scored a hundred, and in this one we scored, we saw Virat scoring very heavily, um, and some of the fast bowlers. And my favourite, as you know, is Jasprit Bumrah, and he picked up five uh, in, in the in the first inning. So. Yeah, it's the, it's the risk, isn't it? It actually really reminded me of the Pune Test match in that it was a it was a pitch that was, I mean, it was below average. I think it the was. ICC's the ICC's rated it poor, so to Wanderers is now on a warning. Kohli batted out of his skin, and the other batsman, of course, who batted extremely well was Ajinkya Rahane. What mm. a surprise! Yes, your <laughs> what favorite. A surprise. Yeah, I mean, just kind of makes you wonder why he wasn't selected for the first Test match. Is some really really muddled thinking. Bhuvneshwar Kumar also batted really well. He did. In fact, India's third best batsman in the series. But I was um, super impressed again with Dean Elgar. I think he's so dogged and he just hangs in there. I mean, first dig, he scored four off 40. And I think the second dig, he, you know, scored, you know, 86 or something like that off like 240 balls. It was really incredible. I think he's so dogged. Mm, what about um, Pujara scored zero off... 52 balls. Yeah. What, what, wasn't he criticized for not showing intent? He wasn't, actually, not in this match. Yeah. I think Kohli realized that uh, <laughs> he was quite happy. Run out again. To, he was quite happy for Pachara to take, to take the majority of the strike. And to take those casual singles versus trying to take those quick ones yeah, and get himself didn't run, get out. run out. Yeah. <laughs> it was not a good pitch. I think they made the right decision in continuing to play on. There was a lot of talk that the match would, would have been called off. That would have been. I think a shame. I mean, it, it was interesting that the Indian players who are not renowned as being great batsmen on these surfaces actually prevailed. And, you know, many of them were hit, you know, multiple times. I think Rahane was hit multiple times. Pujara took a nasty blow. Um, 
I think Morley Vijay, who also batted well, uh, got hit. And they just really demonstrated a, um, a level of commitment and bravery that you don't always associate with Indian batsmen. So that was, that was refreshing to see. The South Africans, they struggled on the pitch, but you have to remember that for them, I always feel there's a bit of a let-off in intensity once you've won the series. So I would worry about reading too much into this result. Yeah, I think last year, too, when they toured Australia, they, they won the first two tests, South Africa, and they lost the third test, I think, to, to Australia as well. I think they, they tend to put, put their foot off the gas a little bit. But having said all that, it just continues India's love affair with Johannesburg. They've played five tests there. They've never lost. They've, yep. um, they've there you won, go. I think they've won two and drawn three now. So who would have thought that of all the grounds in the world, Johannesburg, one of the quickest pitches in world cricket, would be a fortress for India? How the world's changed. Yeah. Can't really make this stuff up. You can't. Okay, so that series continues uh, with the one days where India, of course, are, are, are doing very well. Uh, South Africa looked quite flat, I must say, in one-day cricket. The, their, their lack of... Variety. Lack of variety. The fact that Quinton de Kock is completely out of form is really hurting. Yeah. Because uh, he's really their, their sort of top one-day player. De Villiers is now injured again. Um, without those two firing, uh, it's difficult for them. Uh, England, Australia. Yeah, New Zealand. Of course, we have a new look T20 team for Australia. I think, you know, most of the players now are getting ready for the test series in South Africa. So I think only David Warner really is that is playing. They're resting a lot of bowlers, such as Mitchell Stark. Um, but do they have looked good? Um, Billy Stanlake in the first game, you know, clocking 150s, picked up three wickets cheaply. Um, Ashton Agars looked pretty good. Um, he said it, he's, it feels like he's been around forever, but I think he's still only 21 years old or 22 years yeah. old. Uh, he's looked pretty good too. And I think, of course, the big show the other night, I don't know if you watched the big show, but it was quite a, a thumping innings against. Is it the big show or Mad Max? So we, it's him definitely the big. Maxi. I don't know if he calls himself the big show or somebody else calls him that. Um, you think he gave? You think he bestowed that nickname on himself? <laughs> it's very un-Australian. Maybe that's why Steve Smith doesn't like him because you can't give yourself your own nickname, right? Um, well, I saw the result and I thought, well, of course they're doing well. They've finally selected Glenn Maxwell and given him license to go out and do what he does best. I mean, that was the, that was the highest, um, the lowest score ever for 100 to be scored. I think they scored 160 or something and he scored 100, of the, 100 plus of those runs. Mm. That's super impressive. I mean, he built his innings quite well and he was, I think he's matured a bit in the way he came out in the beginning. He said it was a bit more measured in how he approached it, but that he played some absolutely audacious shots and some really good touch shots too. So again, that's why they love him in the IPL, right? That excitement, box office, when he's going, he's, he's the most exciting batsman in the world, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm just surprised. I, honestly, I'm, I'm, I remain surprised he doesn't play more often for Australia because... I think he will now. I think he's forced himself into the team. Yeah, and he even even he admits in interviews that he wasn't as consistent before as he he wanted to be, and I think he's trying to find that groove now, which is nice. Yeah. So a couple of things before we finish that I wanted to ask you. Um, first of all, why don't I don't know if you have an opinion on this, but why don't India pick Yadav and Chahal for their Test team? Is there a, an issue do you think with with picking these leg spinners who do very well in limited overs cricket for the Test team? Do you think they cannot? maintain this kind of intensity for more than 
you know, 10 overs at a time? Look, I think it's a very good question. Um, I'm not sure if, have they been picked in a test match before? Yadav was, was picked for the last test against Australia and he swung that match, as you might recall. Darum Sala. I think sometimes people get too, too focused on their thinking about, oh, this, this guy's a T20 bowler, he, you know, he's mm. a one-day bowler, he's a test bowler. I think if, the, you know, if you see a lot of a demonstration of skill in those matches, I don't see why they couldn't be playing in, in tests. Um, and again, I think it's horses for courses. So I think if you go into a wicket that is taking a bit of turn, why wouldn't you pick a leg spinner? And to be honest, I think especially when you're on the road. So maybe if you're touring England or you're touring uh, Australia or South Africa, why wouldn't you have a leg spinner in the team? Um, they're more effective. In, in many respects, they are more effective because they can spin it on any surface. Now, the counter argument, of course, is yes, but you can just lose control of a match really quickly if, if a leg spinner starts going and, and, and all of a sudden you've got a bowler who's almost reduced to a passenger. But these guys are really good. So but, <laughs> no, but I think, I think they don't go for a lot because they're, they're naturally defensive bowlers anyway in T20 cricket, right? They're, they're trying to sort of cut down runs. So I think if you have a well-balanced attack, so if you had an, a good all-rounder, you had a couple of great seamers, and you had perhaps an off-spinning all-rounder and a leg spinner, I think that's a great team. Um, particularly in Australia, for example, where Indian finger spinners have done very poorly. You know, why not bring... Why not bring on the next tour? Why not yeah. bring a bring a leg spinner? Right? I mean, most Australian batsmen don't play good leg spin. It's a fact. Well, well, this is critical. Most batsmen don't play leg spin that well. Apart from, I mean, really, apart from subcontinental That's batsmen. That's right. And even they don't play leg spin that well anymore. Because I just think that you know, if you if you turn up to Australia with the same old bag of tricks, it, it hasn't worked before. So why would it work now? And I, I think you know, India would probably look at the next tour to really mix that up a little bit. I would hope. But I think you're right. I think they do get stuck into this mindset of, oh, okay, this player's only good for this format. So that was my first question. The second one, what did you make of um, the teams going off for lunch uh, in the India-South Africa, the, uh, the last one day when they needed, I think it was two, two runs. runs to win? Yeah. yeah, look, the rules are the rules. Um, <laughs> I, I don't really think that the umpires have freedom to change the rules. Um, mm. They might make an amendment to the rules that, that, that let the umpire have some discretion about it. Um, but I think it's, it's ridiculous, right? It's the, rule, the rules are the rules. So you can't just change the rules to suit um, the captain of one team and he, he wants to go off. I think it was very funny for the crowd and the mm. TV audience because I was watching the game uh, on mm. TV and you know, come, come back in 40 minutes and watch <laughs> the two runs be watch scored runs. in the first yeah. over, right? It, it's kind of ridiculous. It is. We talked about how leg spin is, is, a, is a great benefit for cricket. This kind of thing is, you know, it's the flip side. It's exactly the kind of thing that gives cricket a bad name. It really is. I think. Um, and doesn't, just doesn't help. But like you said, yeah, I mean, the rules are there for a reason. I think they have 15 minutes uh, flexibility in, in one-day matches, which they'd already used up. Yes, they already used so up. So the umpires have to go off. So I have no issue with it. But I think they probably should look at it. I think I have two more questions, but the rules are the rules, Darren. We have to finish now. <laughs> we do. We have to go up. We have, we've used up our, our allotted time. Um, and our list, listeners' patience. And I'm sure. But, but um, thank you, of course, to everyone for listening. Uh, we are sorry we were away for a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll be back with the next one, I suspect, a lot sooner. Yes, um, next week. Within, um, within the next 
week to ten days, hopefully. Any thank yous from your side? Yeah, I just want to thank the listeners, and I would hope that you know that the offer still stands that we'll be giving out prizes for people who <laughs> who do leave a comment on iTunes or wherever they listen to the podcast, and I hope everyone does that. Mm. Keep the comments coming; we appreciate it. Oh, and by the way, we um, we gave away the under nineteen World Cup winner, and I apologise for not including a spoiler alert. <laughs> on that. Next time, spoiler alert for all results for <laughs> in in perpetuity. Thank you all.